0: This is One Heat Minute.
1: A drop of a hat, these guys were rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne You look like gang bangers, working the local 7-Eleven to you. Robbery, homicides, take me out. Give me all you got! This and Give me, you me, all got! me all you got! I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me.
0: A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me is a man who... Has been dodging me like Macaulay has been dodging Vincent Hanna since before the beginning of this project even started. Uh, A friend of a friend of ours, a mutual friend, uh, an Aussie director by the name of Anthony Morris, who you're going to see directing a film a little bit later this year called Hotel Mumbai. So if you're listening to this a little bit later in 2018. Um, We uh, had talked about the prospect of this uh, podcast, Anthony and I, and he said, Blake, there's only one other person that I know who is equally obsessed with this movie as me, and it is my dear friend and cinematographer and filmmaker in his own right, Nick Remy Matthews, or Nick Matthews, as I can't deny him. So, Nick, welcome to One Heat Minute. It is an absolute pleasure having you on uh, over Skype. I believe you're in Spain right now, so thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thanks for having me. It's brilliant to be here. It's uh it's a dream come true. I couldn't believe. It. I wasn't sure if it was a joke from Anthony when he mentioned uh, your uh, your project. Uh, I'm very glad it's not. I am in Spain, as we speak, uh, where I actually live. Oh, you live in Spain? I wasn't sure that you lived
0: there. Oh, well, see, there I go. I've learned something new in this very conversation. Nick Nick's work um, struck me in a, uh, and I'm trying to remember the year. Would it be 2012 or 11? 11 2011. Um, short film that he made with Anthony Morris that debuted at the Sydney Film Festival before basically being on the Oscars nomination shortlist for short films called The Palace. And it is uh, one of the most striking short films I've ever seen and atmospheric and full of texture and just immense production quality for something so small um, as far as runtime, but just an incredibly powerful film. So I'm really happy... But I was such a talented filmmaker on the uh, on on the line, but also a heat obsessive. So much so that when I've tried to get in contact with Nick, I know his inbox is full. So the way that I get in contact with him is I speak to him in code, and that code is whenever I put a heat uh, piece of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, in there, I know. I think I can get Nick's immediate attention. So, Nick, thank you so much uh, for for coming a part of this. Look, we are going to dive in. Let's dive into the minute before I dive into you know all the reasons why Nick loves Heat. Let's dive into the minute itself. We're at minute forty eight, and we're on the two hundred seventieth minute or two hundred and uh, sorry, one hundred and seventy minute version of Heat. And for most of you, um, if you're around the world or if you're in Australia or America, it is the Warner Brothers. DVD and Blu-ray release of Heat, um, the original theatrical cut transfer. Um, If you go to exactly 47 minutes on your dial, you should be exactly where we are. But right now, we're in a a Koreatown basement. We're in the middle of Tone Loke, who plays Richard, um, with Vincent Hanna, um, uh, uh, Vincent Hanna Al Pacino sitting across from him, explaining this potential lead. And uh, it has one of the most dynamic uh i think if you've got a friend named albert and i don't i wish i did because i could say the immortal line over and over again albert what's wrong with you that is the minute we're up to so um nick and i are going to watch it now together and then we're going to come back and talk about it
1: did a couple two three years he got out i ran into him and so he's a big thing for action now if he'd have said nothing i'd have thought nothing But he goes on and on, running down to me how he ain't been doing nothing and nothing's been going on and all this other bullshit. So right then and there, I know this cat's got something going down. Pretty fucking great. Albert, what's wrong with you? You drag me here, waste my time like this. You saw a guy on the street who's an ex-con. That's right. Well, I am over fucking well. What do you want for that, a junior G-Man badge? Look here, man. You gonna make the call on them poisons or what? Are you kidding me?
0: What a great minute, Nick. Is that not just dynamite?
1: <laughs> I didn't think. <laughs> there are any bad minutes as we uh as i was speculating earlier i i I struggle i would really struggle to try to find a kind of a dull ineffective uh minute in this in this movie i don't think it's um yeah i don't think uh, michael mann would have would have let that go but can I just can I just ask you a quick question? Of course. You you said this is a Warner Brothers version and a DVD version. Is that to say that there are various versions of this film? Sorry to kind of divert. No, let's, it's just yeah, plaguing so it's, my so
0: very very brain. recently there is a definitive edition of Heat that was released around the twentieth anniversary, which now Fox Entertainment in the states and in Australia have taken. So it's twentieth Century Fox have taken it, and that definitive version um, has some shavings. Like it shaves some bits um, and it has different color grading and things like that because it went up for 4K. Um, so that was... A, and it was a, like... Yeah, what I would say, Nick, is that for most people it would be imperceptible. But knowing you and I, you would <laughs> notice the differences immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm <laughs> like, sure we would. And the first 20 yeah. seconds, just certain, um, you know, a couple of notable things in the first, you know, sort of 15, 20 minutes of the film. Um, when the introduction of Wayne Grow happens, you don't get as much of the context of this sort of um, strange, hacienda painted, you know, uh, um, uh, coffee house. You don't, as as far as to get wow. the texture, you sort of get Wayne Grow almost immediately coming up and getting his coffee, so you don't get that kind of couple of seconds of breath. Um, there's a few additional seconds with Justine, um, uh, so Diane Venora and Natalie Portman sort of embracing in the house, and there's just a few altered minutes there. And there's a famous shot, I think it was used on a soundtrack shot of, Pacino getting out of the car as Vincent Hanna at the investigation scene and just sort of this low tracking shot um, uh, uh, that you saw of him sort of in the middle of the frame from shot from about the knees up um, to over his head as he's sort of inspecting things. But that wasn't really in the cut that we've seen traditional, like the classic heat we had. We'd never seen that cut because it didn't, I don't know if the, that sort of breath maybe slowed down the pace of the scene so that, but in, in the new version it's there. So, there's a few, like, little imperceptible things. Um, the, the the nuts and bolts of the movie obviously don't change because they're perfect, but I think there's might be one or two niggles that man just sort of trimmed, shaved, um, <laughs> did those things, being the sort of fastidious tinkerer that he is in, uh, in when he's doing DVD releases. Apparently there's an alternate cut of Black Hat that went out on an American network that is not on DVD anywhere. So um, I'm really keen to see the streaming version of Black Hat, which is apparently drastically different than the theatrical cut. So interesting ones for us man fanatics to go and dig up
1: fantastic well i had no idea about that and i'm kind of this i i'm carrying a sort of a shame now as a as a fan that i uh that i didn't actually know there was this alternate version but i'm sure i'll be able to move on um <laughs> beyond that beyond that shame
0: you don't need to be a shame I, I i get scared i don't know about eunuch i get scared when my favorite filmmakers i mean in the past i've been like oh i want to see everything Um, but you know, I think George Lucas sort of tainted an entire generation of fans when he didn't give them the original, like when we just screaming, forgive me the original theatrical cut that I saw and became obsessed with. Um, don't make that inaccessible for me anymore. I want to see it. I don't care if you think it's imperfect. In fact, it's imperfections probably make it all the, all the better. So tell me about heat. Why are you obsessed with it? What, what was, what, what makes this movie so, you know, such an obsessive thing for you?
1: Well, I think part of the I mean, it's not the entirety of, of my sort of connection with it, but I, I'm sure there's something in the, 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 the idea that when you watch things at a certain age, um, they leave a really indelible sort of mark on you. And and whilst that's not everything, and I've continued to watch Heat every now and then, and, um, and as... Um, you know, girlfriends have come and gone. Um, <laughs> each one has has been tortured um, with um, you know um, with a with a screening. Um, <laughs> I, I still think there's there's a part of me that if I hadn't seen it in kind of when I was um, whenever it was in my early, very early twenties, I think when it would have come out, um, that it that it it wouldn't have quite left the same mark. And I think um, you know that was an age when I was first. I think I was probably just um, getting into film school and and kind of making short films and and things with some in some sort of fairly dedicated way. Although if I looked back, I'd probably um, cringe a lot. But um, <laughs> the thing about watching that film when you're in your 20s is that um, there's there's a duality to the film. I think that makes it fascinating when you're when you're particularly when you're a really young man. I, I think it was the fact that the film was not only a, a ripping sort of um action um heist movie but it also had this other kind of um uh, exploration of relationships aspect to it uh, the kind of which i was well beyond me probably at that age and i think um there was sort of a a a mysteriousness and a spiritual almost like a spiritualism to the film and and because of that emotion and because of that investigation I've, i've always found that fascinating i think i've found it Fascinating for different reasons because I think it, at a really young age I didn't really understand um, a, a lot of it and the difficulties, for example, of of Hannah's, um, well, of all their relationships, I should say, um, because I hadn't really been through that yet, at least not in that sort of grown-up domestic way. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, I've uh, watching it more recently. I think I I just found it, it despite the fact that it's a genre film, there's such moments of of genuine. Um, exploration and truth in it um, and I think that's that's probably the main the main thing I mean um, for me that has always gripped me about it has been the fact that it does delve into all um, into that interpersonal stuff and, and that there's that a sort of a verisimilitude between um, the goodies and the baddies of course um, and in the way that they struggle with their their respective relationships I've always found that really fascinating
0: I, really, I think it's I think it's great to talk about how you grow up with it because I, I that's one massive element for me is I really uh, I saw it when I was about nineteen ninety seven and I loved it for you know the action and the cool like just the air of everyone in the whole movie is completely cool but I love what you said about how you're growing up with the characters um, and 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 you grow up with the relationships and and exactly that there's this sort of spiritual point that comes to it that says well you know if you're in your early twenties if at the end of my Forties, or if I'm in my mid forties, and I get to a certain point in my life or career where I've got to wrestle between this kind of what everyone's pushing me towards in this domesticity or professionalism, um, there doesn't seem to be a fine balance in the world of Michael Mann and professional man between actually (laughs) professional fulfillment and and what you would sort of consider a sort of more whole and 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 domestic happy. Loving life, so it ends up being like a great problem question that you sort of wrestle with. And I, I had to laugh before when you were talking about different girlfriends getting different screenings. I've gone even further than that. So now, now my wife is sort of all but exhausted um, with heat. Uh, I've, I've exhausted it, but it's just new friends, you know, new friends and and new colleagues, you know, that you work with. Have you seen Heat? Oh well, we must watch it together um, because then it's just it ends up being this great sort of. Way that you can approach different stuff, but let's get back to this amazing minute, and it's it's it, the, the minute that we were just we, we've just we've just watched, and 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 you guys listening along at home of just listening to to this episode, the forty eighth minute of one heat minute with Nick Matthews and myself. Um, it, it's such a great minute because we are we still haven't we're right on the edge at the at the last seconds of the minute for the revelation, this morsel um uh, the of information that Vincent gets that open that kicks this whole thing wide open. And as we're in the middle of it, there's this great moment and it's just it's just perfect Pacino. It's just his perfect reactions. You get Richard, Tone Loke, telling him this stupid story about how he went to prison with someone and that guy said he wasn't up to anything, which means he must be up to something. And you get Pacino look at him in the face, just completely puzzled, like, is that it? Looks over at Albert, who's his brother. And he just sort of Albert is so like this is right on. This is the best possible piece of information ever. And then he looks back over and says, "This is pretty fucking great." <laughs> like it's just it's just that amazing uh, seesaw of going, "Why am I wasting my time? Why am I out at like 3 a.m. in Koreatown in a basement talking to a criminal informant who's giving me?" he saw a guy on the street this week and is now giving him nothing. Such a great thought. What do you think, Nick?
1: Yeah, look, I think the thing that's so great about, well, one of the many things that's so great about it is that all of the, the you know, what we call day players as filmmakers um, I hope that's not a derogatory term. so certainly isn't meant that way. Um, that that all the day players are, are so amazing um, in the film that they, they um, Pacino's character delves into all these different worlds and and uh, each one of those those voices just feels so strong and so formed. Um, and I think like this, the, this is kind of what Pacino's character spends all his time doing, just kind of, kind of going down these blind. Alleys and talking to these idiots and and it's also I mean for the sort of film uh, uh, slash screenwriting uh, academics I mean it's a just it's a scene that's just got such great and obvious movement um, it's it's um, it has it's, it's a scene that um, appears to be going nowhere um, until the last minute I actually can't remember now is that. That moment is that moment included in our minute? Are we allowed to say that? Oh no, it's it's
0: the the turn <laughs> is not in our moment. So uh, sorry, this is this is okay. I don't, I don't I want, I don't, no, I don't want our lovely guests to panic. We it is impossible to not talk about the surrounding minutes and sometimes the entire film during this show. So that is that is the that is the secret bonus that I love is that I get to talk about all aspects of heat with every guest. But um, but yeah, no. So it's it's lit. It is about. I'd have to say three to four seconds away in the early part of the next minute. We just get to see the ebb and flow where he starts to—he's already started explaining, you know, the context of why, without even saying his name, the context of Michael Torito, this guy who's a a fiend for action, this guy who, you know, he's—he's—he's always been such a showboater before, but now that I've seen him out of prison, he's acting like nothing's going on. So it's just—it closes just before. You know, he literally, I think Vincent turns it up to his right and he says the immortal line, this slick ain't no motherfucking joke, man. Um, And, uh, but that's, you know, it's like a a beat away. But you're right, for a screenwriter, there's so many, if you just looked at the words on the page, there's just so much exposition dump. But I think the performers, you know, tone local, that emphasizing tapping the table, um, you know, uh, Albert over there, Ricky, he's sort of nodding his head. And then... The, it's all in Pacino's ability to react to those performances and, and tell you what's important and what's nonsense that it, it's so perfect here.
1: Yeah, and it's great the way there's this, from a sort of editing rhythm perspective, there's, it's it's a triangulated scene. You've got, um, you've always got the other guy, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but the other character who led him there and who's kind of the stakes are high for him because he's the one who's kind of in, in deep shit and, and he's a... Uh, you know, just prior we'd had that had that scene where he'd um, where Pacino had said to him, look, if you don't kind of give me something here, you know, you're in deep trouble. And so this guy sort of, uh, as a last resort, says, okay, yeah, 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 come along to this nightclub in the middle of the night. So you kind of got almost like the barman in the in the cowboy scene. You've got this third wheel. Guy who's just looking and seeing what's what's happening and and is hoping that something good I suppose is going to come out of this. <laughs> yes, um, which is is great. It's a great addition um, to the scene, and you just you can't go past um, Tone Luke's voice as well. I mean, it's just it is just so bass. It's like <laughs> unbelievable.
0: It, it's, it it doesn't actually seem real. It feels like he's got some kind of filter. On with his actual voice, the actor, so the character, it's Albert Torina, but the the actor who actually recently passed away, so may he rest in peace, Ricky Harris, um, is is oh, Albert, yeah. and he, he gets two of the most dynamite scenes in in the film, and I, I, that's one thing that I I don't know if we've really touched on yet in one eight minute is that every single you know each of these uh, Vincent's explorations and down these rabbit holes, you know how. It's so hard for a filmmaker or, or for you know, it's the difference really between a a good film and and an enduring classic is that every single person that you go to, like you don't need a prequel, a backstory explaining about Ricky um, Harris's Albert nor Richard Tone Lokes' character. You don't need a, you know, a whole movie. They just, they are in the scene, they're in it and you almost feel like everything you need to know about them, Nick, in that moment is unfolding before your eyes. Like you don't really need to see anything else.
1: They're, they're, it's all happening. Totally, and that's a sign of um, of such a great director that, that those worlds um, have all been built um, with those those really fine actors as well as to sort of put in that work to um, to build those little worlds. And even if they only last for a minute, they feel like they have they have so much depth. And it's also really interesting. There's kind of a theme that you you made me just think of. I've never really thought about this before. But but in that in that movie, there's this sort of Theme about information somehow and about the dissemination of it, and, and there's even a, there's even that great scene with the the fellow who, again names uh, I don't remember, but the guy who's sitting on the the porch who's in a wheelchair I think, and he says, Tom, oh, "Everything's Tom out Tom, the amazing, man. the amazing
0: <laughs> Tom Noonan <laughs> plays Kelso. Oh
1: yeah, yeah, and he says, "You've just got to you just got to grab it, you know. It's all out there." And this is kind of pre. I mean, '95 is pre well, at least for most of us, sort of pre-internet, right? So, and that's a really cool thing about Heat. Um, another really cool thing about thrillers of that era is there isn't sort of endless montages of kind of tapping away on computer screens and staring at mobile phones and Googling things. And it's all this kind of word-of-mouth stuff. And and um, it might be kind of old-fashioned to think that, but I just find that in even in films that I'm working on sometimes you know i can it's just almost like a constant challenge for for us filmmakers is trying to find sort of ways of of people um searching and and finding things and uh, um, and in heat it's just Fabulous the way it feels. There's this social, this weird social landscape, this kind of web of of Los Angeles that's got all these odd people in these underground places. That um, you just get one word. You know, he get in this scene, um, Al Pacino basically gets one word, and that's this slick um, term for this this character, and and that's kind of all he needs. And then, you know, he goes off and um and does his thing.
0: Yeah, I feel like and this is like the the great fun to play is. I wonder if any of these people would be on the grid, so to speak, in twenty eighteen. Like I can't imagine that Kelso, Kelso is like on the dark web. There's no way he has yeah. a normal Gmail. You know what I'm saying? Ricky Harris <laughs> yeah. Ricky Harris has got burner phones. You know, I think that's that 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 great thing, you know, is as you see that um it's almost like this, you know. There's this comfort in being a luddite and like not being with technology because then you're in. They've got you. They can, you know, you know, violently tap away at those keyboards and find you in two seconds. But I think that's what's been really cool in some of the espionage movies and even genre movies as well. Is like you start to see, and particularly like something like The Wire, sort of showed you in many great seasons in great detail um, about how they kept themselves, you know, hidden from being tracked as you know everything is lo-fi everything is burner phones everything is changed over everything is you know uh, everything is cut cut between different things so yeah no i i love that in some of the more even the modern espionage movies they try and make it lo-fi you know i think in yeah. skyfall james bond had a radio you know that, um had a yeah. radio transmitter that wasn't detectable <laughs> um, on his bot on his body so you know interesting stuff there but yeah it's it, it's funny you know it you, you don't have to you don't have to go to Tom Noonan's house in 2018. You know, you Skype him like I'm Skyping you all the way on the other side yeah. of the world. Right? It's, it's really
1: interesting. Yeah. That's right, and it also, I mean, kind of um, from a thematic perspective in the in the film, it's like it, it makes me think about what um, Diane Venora's character says in one that fabulous scene where she says that all oh, Al Pacino's character does is, is is sift through detritus. You know, it's like he just kind of sifts through all this stuff in all these different people's lives and um and finds the sort of the you know whatever the the, the good stuff out of it but he's yeah you know, but he's not really present in uh in um, his his personal life and that stuff that that idea of someone who just goes off on these sort of um these hunting expeditions and and might just find a word or a face or a, a some sort of tiny clue it's just I think that's that's um one of the things that's so fascinating about um about heat is that we're always reminded of what the price is that, that Al Pacino pays for um for these ex- excursions that he that he goes on. I can't remember what happens uh exactly after this bar scene. I'm sure you'll be able to tell me. Um but no doubt some there's some ramifications to his sort of um, you know, his excursion.
0: Yeah, so I uh, 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 the we it's actually one of the rare moments where we don't see, you know, him go home at three in the morning and get a, a sort of frustrating encounter with Justine. And this little morsel of information sort of we then dive back into the Neil the Neil threads of the story, um, momentarily to collect the money from Van Sant, go to the uh go to the drive in, the infamous uh Charlene scene and the next time we check in with Vincent they're on a perch outside a restaurant because they've discovered via that single word that's coming up in that next uh, in the next minute, via that single word slick, it's unlocked the gateway to this whole film, you know, it's it's unlocked Michael Torito which has led them on to Chris Chihalas which has led them on to Trejo, which has led them on to this loner who they don't know, Mr. Neil McCauley and led them on to the crew, so starting them down that path of, you know Finding these guys and actually opening up the whole film, because wow. in this because in this moment, mm. right now, like Macaulay's crew seems like besides Wayne Grow, you know, nothing. You know, Wayne Grow is the obvious mistake, um, and even one word in this information. This information is just out there. This one word. This one piece of pure luck. Um, uh, you know, not not the in, in coming misfortune of Wayne Grover. This one word is like the doorway to the rest of the movie. And it's unfortunately a second outside
1: of this minute that we're talking about. <laughs> Look, that's to quote uh Macaulay, that's the discipline. Oh. To, uh... <laughs> yes,
0: that is the discipline. That's I'm stealing that, Nick Matthews. That is absolutely fantastic. Um Nick I I know it's late where you are so I'm going to let you go but I have to ask um, another time um, especially if you're coming back locally could we get you back on the show for one heat minute for another one of those dynamite minutes in the remaining 120 or so episodes that we've
1: got to go you you could ask me to do the remaining 128 <laughs> I, I, uh, I think you'll find um, many more interesting voices but uh, what I mean to say is uh, of course it would be my great pleasure I tend to um to travel around um, quite a bit these days. Not um, not so much in uh, Australia, so it might have to be another Skype unless you find yourself in the U.S. or in Europe, but um, it would be my great pleasure. Nick, it's been that, a lot of fun. That
0: is awesome. Thank you so much. Nick is, so for, for Aussie listeners um, and, and U.S. listeners actually, Hotel Mumbai um, is... A uh, Anthony Morris's first feature got a couple of really massive actors and 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 the cinematographer you've been listening to on One Heat Minute for about the last forty minutes. I was talking about this minute. Hotel Mumbai comes out twenty eighteen in Oz late in the year, um, pretty much uh, the same time in the in the states. Could you say, uh, Nick? Is that fair?
1: I I could couldn't comment at all about the release of the film, not because I'm I'm um. Being mysterious, but because none of us actually know yet, um, it, it will. I, I'd say it will definitely come out everywhere in 2018 this year, but um, as to when and where, we we really don't don't know yet. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting uh, action film, and you will no doubt see um, the influence of Michael Mann. Um, I hope in in Anthony's great work.
0: We are dying to see it, and we can't wait to hear more from you both and we'll be chatting to Anthony soon on the show there's a th- th- thank you to Anthony for hooking a- another it's like we're finding our web of people out there who love heat, so I'm so glad that he put me on um, to uh, Nick today. Guys, thank you so much for listening to one heat minute subscribe rate review Nick um, do you do if you social media anywhere, where can people find you?
1: Uh, I, I don't do a huge amount, but I have a, um, I have a website that is just my full name, which is nickremymatthews.com, which is just, uh, where I occasionally throw up things about what I'm up to and, and all that sort of stuff. Great. We will yeah. link,
0: we will link that up on one heat minute in the episode. So you can go to nick, com, but in the meantime, you can dial it up right now in your browser as you're listening and check out what Nick's up to, um, Thank you so much again, Nick, for being a part of the show. Folks, thank you so much for listening to One Heat Minute. Um, this is the, the the funnest passion project ever um, and gets more fun with every episode. So thank you so much for listening along and uh, being a part of it. If you want to get in contact with us, just go to oneheatminute.com. You can find out all the information you need there. Um, I am at BlakeIsBatman on Twitter, so if you want to find me there, that's great. Um, thank you to Paul Davies for our, website, uh, for our music. Thank you to Garth Franklin for our website design. Um, and we'll catch
1: you guys next time. Thank you, Nick, again. Thanks a lot. Great show.